Hi, everybody. Welcome to Attendance Bias mini episode number two. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Mini episodes on Attendance Bias feature a breakdown of a single song or a single jam from a show that I've attended. I'll give a little background about what makes the song or jam so special to me, and then we dive right into it. These mini episodes are posted on a bi-weekly basis in between full episodes of Attendance Bias when a guest and I go over a full fish show. Today's mini episode features a cover of The Who's We're Not Gonna Take It, which Fish played on October 8th, 1999 at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. In October 1999, I was a few days away from turning 17 years old. I was extremely deep into my Fish obsession, and I had a very small group of friends who were also into the band. And when I look back, this was kind of the, quote, Christian missionary phase of my fish fandom where I tried to get everyone I knew into the band and thought that if they didn't get it, it was like I knew something and they didn't. Like I would be saved and they're just missing out on this amazing ultimate experience. And of course that's not true. The band is not for everybody, but that's how I felt at the time. And so I was really gung ho about everything having to do with fish. That said, I was successful in converting about four friends, and they turned out to be my crew for this show. At the time, I could safely call the Nassau Coliseum my hometown venue. I grew up on the south shore of Long Island in a town called Merrick. Merrick is about a 15-minute straight shot from the Coliseum, so as a result, I grew up going to Islanders games, concerts, random family events, and stuff like the Harlem Globetrotters at the Coliseum. I was more familiar with it than just about any other large-scale venue in the world. Uh, Madison Square Garden and Jones Beach would be kind of tied for second place, but the Coliseum was easily the closest and my favorite place to go with my family. It always meant something special, especially when it was the WWF. But anyway, back to 1999. These back-to-back shows were played on a Thursday and a Friday, and because of our proximity to the venue, my friends and I got right out of high school, immediately went home to change our clothes and to get ourselves together, and we made it to the lot by about 3.30 in the afternoon, both days. We all somehow managed to get GA4 tickets back then, to both shows, which today seems like it would be an insane task. But back then it seemed fairly easy because those were the times when you could wait all morning at a drugstore for a Ticketmaster to go on sale at 9 a.m. And depending on where you were in the line, all of a sudden you had first dibs on the best tickets in the house. The local drugstore for us was a Pathmark on Merrick Road. So we were all able to get these tickets without a problem. Four of us and then a whole bunch of us joined later on. So once we got there, we didn't quite explore the scene. All of us went straight to the line where we waited for hours to get the doors open. And once they did, we all got our wristbands. Uh, Night one had a cowskin pattern. And night two was a neon orange wristband with the phrase, don't drink and drive printed on it for night two, complete with a little cartoon beer that had sunglasses. So once we got these wristbands, we ran right to the front and made it to ride the rail right in front of Paige both nights. 
And the first night, October 7th, was certainly a musically superior show. It included a very impressive Gata Jabu, which was brand new back then, a Mike's Groove that contained an exploratory McGrupp, and it was the first time that I Am Hydrogen appeared outside of Mike's song or Mike's Groove for the first time since 1987. The crowd went nuts for it. But it was the second night that was more of a goofy, off-the-wall, high-energy show. See, at the time, Fish was on the up-and-up when it came to my musical tastes. They were my new favorites, no doubt, and I was in 100%. They were kind of like the undiscovered country. But before Fish, the old country, my long-standing, all-time favorite band ever was The Who. Tommy was the first album I would listen to over and over again in my room. I taught myself to play drums by listening to Keith Moon. I read every book I could about them. Uh, Back then, when the internet was fairly new to everyday users, I used to go on to Internet Explorer, or maybe it was even Netscape, find lyrics by The Who, and just print them out, go downstairs to my basement, put them on the floor tom of my drum set, and sing along in my head to those songs while I learned and worked my way through the drums. It was really something special. I bonded with The Who from when I was about 10 years old, and sometimes all the way to now, but The Who were my band. I mean, that night, the night of the 8th, I even wore my Keith Moon shirt to ride the rail. So when Fish said that they were going to bring their special friend Tom Marshall at the end of the 8th to play the next song... I was excited, but I was really unprepared for what was coming next. Right after a very sweet Harry Hood ended, and that was where I witnessed my first glow stick war, the band awkwardly began to start the chords for We're Not Gonna Take It. They introduced Tom Marshall, but it would be a little bit before the crowd realized what was actually being played. And about two minutes into the track, Tom begins singing and the band sounds pretty timid. There is an audible hush from the crowd. It gets a lot quieter than it just was. And the crowd, I think, is still trying to figure out what's being played. Because even though The Who is tremendously popular and even was back then and for decades before that, when you think of how many hit songs they have, this song is its a pretty deep, deep cut by comparison But me, I was absolutely blissed out. I was jumping, screaming. I was pointing to my Keith Moon shirt as if it was PCU and Guar was telling Jon Favreau that he'll play with the band. You know, as if Tom Marshall would realize and pull me up for some reason. I was just so out of my mind. 
And Tom Marshall barely gets through the first chorus without laughing, but I don't even think I noticed. He even made a moment of it by swinging the microphone Roger Daltrey style. It became obvious that as the song went on, that both Tom Marshall and the band, they got more and more comfortable singing it and playing it. It got to the point that by the second chorus, not only was he belting out the lyrics, but the band provided pretty strong backup vocals too. By about five minutes in, the song is over, and on the Tommy album, these two so- this one song actually is split into two tracks. It's We're Not Gonna Take It, and then See Me, Feel Me is its own separate song. When The Who ended the Tommy album live, it was one of their biggest extravaganzas, and once Tom Marshall reached to the very top of his vocal range to sing the opening of See Me, Feel Me, the crowd knew what it was in for. And it was at this point that the band really reached their comfort level, three-chord arena rock anthems. The listening to you section of this suite is pretty much what every kid wants to feel like when he's in his garage rocking out with his eyes closed. It's certainly what I wanted to feel like playing drums in my basement. Uh, The Who helped define arena rock, for better or for worse, and this section itself helped to do it. Yeah. 
And that was it for me. My favorite band and my other favorite band had met, and my brains were absolutely obliterated in the process. So even though I was already all in on Fish, this single song, which, when I listened back to it, kind of seems like a joke to the band and Tom Marshall, it sucked me down this black hole from which I'll never return. And there are a lot of musical highlights from both the 7th and the 8th, but this was the one I'll remember forever. Next week on Attendance Bias, my guest is my personal friend and artist, Chris Casey. Chris chose to discuss his first show, November 28th, 1997, at the Worcester Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts. And believe me, that show is filled with so many musical highlights, it would almost be a disservice for me to try and summarize them here. So I hope that you tune in next week for that episode, and thank you for joining me today. I'm Brian Weinstein, and thank you again for listening to Attendance Bias.